Hey guys, welcome back to the F1 Girls. I'm Amy. And I'm Rihanna. And today we are going to be talking about all things Pierre Gasly. Now, we are big Pierre Gasly fans. Yes, definitely. I've, I've been really excited for this episode. And this is the first episode we've actually done on just one driver. So we did a lot of research and we did find some pretty, pretty interesting stuff. So yeah, we'll probably crack on with his history before joining Red Bull. Yeah, so basically Pierre Gasly... Um, he was born in 1996 in France. He, in France, in, in France. Um, he is obviously a French driver. Okay, so he started his karting career when he was just nine years old, and then he began racing in the French Formula Four Championship at the age of 15. Um, when he finished as a runner-up to... Now, I can't really pronounce these names. These are so bad. Okay, give it a go. <laughs> Ma- Matthew... That's just basically Matthew, isn't it? Just it's in French. Just French spelling, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Baxiberi and Andrea Pizzatolia. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then he moved to Formula Renault 2 in 2012. In 2013, as well as gaining half a million euros um, towards a Formula Renault 3.5 drive, Gasly also attracted the attention of Red Bull. They placed him in uh, their young driver programme alongside Carlos Sainz in Formula Renault 3.5 he finished as a runner-up to signs um, in the title battle thanks to a series of consistently strong finishes though uh, he ended the year without a win um, in 2014 Gasly switched to uh, GP2, the GP2 series for two years he went without a win and was eighth in the standings however Red Bull still let him um, have his first test in, with Toro Rosso. In 2016 um, Gasly joined the Prima team is that how we're pronouncing it? I've never had to say it before so I'm, I'm, we're going to go with that. <laughs> yeah um, and became teen, teammates with Antonio Giovinazzi where he became overshadowed because Gasly didn't have a win however he got his breakthrough at Silverstone where he placed first and he won a total of four races and took home the GP2 title. In 2017, he competed in the Super Formula Championship with Team Mugen. Um, Gasly had two races in Formula E as a substitute for Sebastian Vermey at Renault and placed well. And then in 2017 as well, so he had a big year in 2017, um, he made his Formula One debut with Tor Rosso in the Malaysian uh, Grand Prix, which earned him a full-time spot in 2018, um, which was also the first year for the Honda powered unit. Um, he outqualified his teammates, Brendan Hartley in most almost every race and finished fourth in Bahrain. That was a big mouthful, wasn't it? I'm sorry. <laughs> I <was laughs> so many half pronunciations and things. I <laughs> didn't, didn't even think that. about my pronunciations. Uh, that, that's quite an interesting, rich history. I mean, a lot of drivers take the the Formula Three, Formula Two, and then Formula One route, but he he's taken slightly different one by doing uh, well. A lot of drivers in Formula Renault, but and doing GP2 instead. Um, so yeah, and 
It's quite interesting seeing that he, at the start of his um, GP2 career, he didn't get that many wins. And I feel that is kind of, that's kind of like a reoccurring story for him. Like he's always been a bit of an underdog in that sense. So he's always fun to like cheer for in that sense. Yeah, definitely. He's had a very interesting, um, an interesting background. And like you say, it's not very often that you come across a driver who has gone through different routes other than through the Formula 2, Formula 3 space. So, yeah, let's move on to him going to Red Bull, which is where the main the main part starts. Yeah, this, this is where it starts to get, as we all know, a bit juicy, thanks to Drive Survive doing their, their brilliant episodes on that. I could do so. I, I did watch those two episodes from season two and three just to like prep myself. And it's, it's always a nice, although it's research on, in quotes, I, it doesn't feel like research, just watching DTS. It's definitely one of my favorite Netflix shows, 100%. Um, but so he made his debut with Red Bull in 2019 at the start of the season, uh, replacing Daniel Ricciardo. And that was definitely a, a shock for Red Bull, wasn't it, when Daniel left? Oh, definitely. I remember watching the Drive to Five episode and they were not happy. <laughs> no, I, was, I think I think it was more the fact that he didn't, they didn't, they felt a bit surprised by it. They, Daniel hadn't really expressed any like proper discontent and any kind of like, I feel like I'm going to think about moving kind of thing. And obviously you've got to do what's best for you in that, in that sense. But yeah, Red Bull, I think were a bit, stunned by the fact that they now have to fill a seat and I think I think what's hard and us we'll talk about this a bit more um but if you're then left in that position you then have to promote someone maybe earlier than they're ready in that sense and I think that is what happened um with Pierre Gasly and as we saw um he got off to a fairly bad start in pre-season testing he crashed twice causing two million euros worth of damage two million euros can you imagine causing that much damage like I would be terrified to go back yeah especially like on your first day but I, th- I feel like it's not an uncommon thing I remember um I think uh Charles when he first joined Ferrari when he was testing he put his Ferrari in the wall and we all know how much uh, F1 cars cost so I think if on your first you know first time driving the car I think there's a little bit of slack but still two million euros that's a lot of money it's so much money I can't even think about that amount (laughs) (laughs) um so moving to further on in the season it didn't well it did get a bit it did get a bit better the fact he wasn't crashing all the time um but he did he just wasn't placing as high as i think red bull wanted him to um he never really placed better than p5 and usually got around p8 or 9 which for a red bull and that's not great and especially if you're trying to challenge Mercedes for the championship yeah definitely I think if you're going to be in a Red Bull seat or if in one of those sort of teams then you need to be placing much better than that and like we say he definitely I definitely think he was promoted way too early yeah 100% and I think this is a good opportunity to talk about Gasly and Stappen's like relationship um because uh, about midway through the season Gasly had only scored 63 points and had no podiums whereas Max had had podiums and had 181 points so obviously if you're Gasly how much that's so much pressure to perform well and I think the longer you go without getting a podium or not performing the harder it is then to do it don't you think 
Yeah, especially for a driver who is so young. Obviously, Max is very young, but he he's just on it like constantly. Whereas Pierre just he just wasn't there and he wasn't on it with um, that. How old was he? He's, he's twenty five now, so twenty eighteen he would have been twenty. Yeah, twenty two. <laughs> Quick acting like two or three here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I struggle with that. <laughs> Either way, that's young. That's that's about our age. And the last thing I want to be doing is being in that high fresh situation, like where every part of your performance is, you know, put into graphs and shoved in front of you and telling you where you're going wrong. And there's millions of pounds in the line in your salary in the car and you know prize money and that kind of thing. So it to be that young having that much pressure it, it is a lot um and also do you think how do you think max's and pierre's relationships with each other were i know we didn't really get to see much of like behind the scenes but how do you think it kind of went i i mean i'm just going off what i would do in that situation and i to be fair if it was me there wouldn't really be much of a relationship there if there was that much pressure and if there was that much sort of if I was being scrutinized with everything that I was doing yeah you don't really have time to form if you're close totally focused on yourself you don't really have time to like form a friendly friendly relationship but I think what's interesting is because I think Max's and Ricardo's relationship, although I think they were, I think they're still friends and stuff, but you think you could see, especially in the Drives 5 season one, that they were, they were stepping on each other's toes a little bit. There was that, oh, might have been Baku, I think, when um, one of them went into the back of the other and then they both kind of just slid out and that's going to cause frustration. So there was definitely some kind of like uh, tension there. I didn't really see that with Verstappen and Gasly. And I think the main reason was Gasly was absolutely no threat to Verstappen. So Verstappen has no reason to be a little bit tense with him and stuff. So, I, and that just shows that if Max doesn't see him as a threat, then there's no reason to get a bit, you know, touchy. Yeah, I feel like if as soon as Max sees someone as a threat, then that's it. He's got his sights set on them. But obviously with how Pierre was doing at Red Bull, he just, he wasn't a threat at all. So... Like you say, there was no reason for there to be any tension when it comes to sort of Max's side of things. Yeah, exactly. And I think the people the most that weren't letting him forget that was the media. Because I was, I was when watching those Drive to Five episodes, this you see like Gazzy just standing there with like all this crowd of people with microphones, and they're like, "How? Why? Why aren't you performing well? Do you think you're going to lose your seat?" And having all that negativity be like your job security you're not performing well you it's you can take it quite personally it can really really knock your confidence how much do you think that had a part in him eventually getting demoted I think it had quite a big impact to be quite honest with you like like we say he was a very young driver and to be scrutinized like that constantly not only by the media but by your own team as, as well it must have knocked his confidence. I think it would knock anyone's confidence, really. But, yeah, it's it it must have been a very difficult situation to have been in. Obviously, just he was completely overshadowed and um, 
yeah it just probably wasn't the best situation for him yeah I think I think may I think a lot of maybe what has happened is obviously they promoted Max a good few years back to replace Kvyat they promoted him very young and obviously it worked out amazingly and I think they tried to apply the same tactics with both him and Albon which we're going to in, in a in a second and that hasn't really paid off. And I think that was kind of just because obviously Max, we all know is an exceptional driver. He's like one in a million. Some people just need a little bit more time because obviously Pierre had only, he hadn't really been in F1 that long. So some people just need a little bit more time to get to a grips with what they can do, what kind of car they're comfortable in, what they want out of the car, what they want out of the team and vice versa. So I think, the f- and then when that person isn't performing as well, just like Max did, it then creates a very uncomfortable environment. And then how can anybody grow if they're just feeling uncomfortable all the time, whether it's A, in the team or B, by the media or the pressure they're putting on themselves? It's just kind of a, a toxic recipe for failure, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't think Red Bull realise that every driver is different and they will all react differently to the different to the situation and that they're put in and they can't all be Max Verstappen. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so fast forward to the break of 2019, that's when Red Bull announced um, Alex Albon was going to replace him for the rest of the season. Uh, do you think this was the right decision? Mm, I don't know. I think for Pierre, it was the right decision. For Red Bull, it probably wasn't. Because obviously, <laughs> Albon didn't do too well either for the rest of the season. Um, but I think like we said before Pierre was promoted too early and he just I don't think he could handle the Red Bull car um but yeah I just I feel like yeah it was the right one for him not for the team yeah I get what you mean about hand like being able to handle the car because I I think one of the main reasons why Ricardo left was because they were starting to they were starting to favor Max, and that potentially means starting to build the car more to his driving style. And then if you try and make a driver get in a car that is suited to somebody else's driving style, that then becomes a very hard task, and potentially that's what Gasly had to go through. Um, but then again, I, I I definitely feel like they should have stuck it out for the rest of the season, although it wouldn't have gotten better having you know a shift mid-season is very like disorientating for both the drivers and the team and I know they were kind of out didn't have that many options so obviously it was very unlikely they were going to bring Kvyat back so Albon was the only other option but if you feel like you've promoted a driver Gasly too early why would you then promote a driver who's even newer to the sport do, do you think it's gonna <laughs> do you think it's gonna go well I just <sighs> I really seriously question Red Bull's decision-making skills there. Like, they just, they should have left it until the end of the season, I think. Like, I don't think they should have sort, like, did... <laughs> I don't think they should have swapped them out, like, mid-season. I think that that just... It's the worst timing. And also, what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel I feel like Red Bull. They definitely have a mentality as if you stop if you stop giving us good results, then you're out. And they're they're very quick to switch people around. Um, maybe unlike other teams who are more, who are probably more likely to stick it out for a year or or just to see how it goes. And but I feel like when you're when you're in any job, doesn't it doesn't even have people want. If you think that you're going to get switched out at any point, you're then that just raises your anxiety levels. That you feel like I have to. I have to constantly perform and obviously you do have to constantly perform but 
if you think, well, I've got now into the end, I, I just need to reset, I just need to, you know, do this. And then having that little bit of extra pressure off might have been the difference between performing a bit better and not having that constant threat of you're out in like the next two races if you don't perform. You know, obviously that wasn't said, but you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think as well, if you kind of already know that you're going to be out, it's it's hard, it's kind of like a well why should I bother then like why should I bother getting you the points if you're just going to chuck me out in a couple of races time you know what I mean yeah exactly it's, it's it's it doesn't it just doesn't work for anyone on any party the team's frustrated the drive's frustrated they're not they won't perform as well in any of the championships so it's just I think there just needs to be a little bit of a a shift because obviously them the exact same thing happened to Albon he was put in the exact same situation, the exact same pressures, and he, I think, performed very similarly to Pierre did when he was in Red Bull, and obviously he was then demoted. So that's then you've just kind of got one and a half years just wasted there. Yeah, definitely. Looking at um, his performance, um, Pierre's performance, so he was out of Red Bull um, over the summer break, so he had the the second second half, on quotes, um, in AlphaTauri, and his he just switched back to he just performed amazingly didn't he 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 just you could see how much more comfortable he was in the car yeah definitely um obviously yeah he obviously felt a lot more comfortable in the Avatari car and just sort of went back to his roots almost and just went and it was almost like a snap of a finger kind of thing it was like oh yeah I know what I'm doing I can do this. I can get the top places. So it's like when in Brazil, 2019, he came second. And then 2020, Monza, he obviously won. So he he knows what he's doing. He's a good driver. It, it was, I, honestly, I think he really, it really was just a case of too early promotion. Yeah, it, it definitely, definitely does show that he, once he's comfortable in the car, that, I think that was the reason why he wasn't doing well at Red Bull because as soon as he's back in the car he was comfortable with, he's just put in amazing performances. He, he's he's just been one to watch ever since he got demoted. So it, it just shows how how much your environment and like the, how you're feeling and how your team's feeling, all, all those things. It's not just down to whether he can do it or not. It, everything plays a part. And obviously it, it does work for Malpa Diary. So that's really good to see what is interesting though even after all of that he does say he still wants to go to red, back to red bull and i guess that is the goal for alphatari drivers because as we all know alphatari is like the driving school for red bull so anyone who is doing well never wants to stay alphatari but why why would he why would he want to go back there especially after christian horner the team principal of red bull saying that no one was pushing for him internally wanting him back and that must be so hard to hear if that's the place you want to go and you find out no one actually wants you back and it's like it's just oh yeah I don't understand obviously I do understand why he wants to go back to Red Bull like Red Bull is one of the top teams but I also don't understand because it's to me it seems like a very toxic environment to be in like I know I wouldn't want to be um a driver in Red Bull (laughs) like definitely not um but yeah, it just it seems very toxic, and I don't understand why he would want to go back to somewhere like that and somewhere who, where they've 
able to sort of just kick him out at a moment's notice. Yeah, definitely. It, it doesn't seem like the obvious choice. And I think there's a little bit of, because obviously if Red Bull brought him back, then they would be admitting that they got it wrong in a sense. Like maybe we should have kept hold of him. And I guess they are keeping hold of him in the sense of they they just demoted him down to Alphatari because with Albon, they, they made him reserve driver. Um, so I don't know where's the easier way back to Red Bull in that sense, especially now Perez is in the Red Bull seat and seems he's doing a lot better than both Albon and Gassi did. So the chances of either of them going back to Red Bull at any point soon just seems very, very slim right now, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think in terms of Red Bull having Perez, I don't really feel like they're going to want to change him unless he does something really dramatically wrong um, in the next sort of couple of months. I don't think they're going to be wanting to change him, change him out. Um, obviously, he's a lot more experienced and... He's, he's kind of just like a legend in the sport at this, at this point in time. So, yeah, um, I think for Albon and, and not Perez, Albon and Gasly, um, there isn't much of a chance of them coming back anytime soon to Red Bull. Yeah, I mean, as, as, I know this is a Gasly episode, but that's a bit, it's a bit depressing for Albon because obviously he's not in any seat at the moment. So as soon as you're out of a seat, it's proven that it's really quite hard to get back in. So, especially now that they've obviously brought on Yuki Sonoda, they they could have they could have motivated um, Alex Alfatari. They didn't. They decided to bring Yuki up. So, there's a lot of people in that pool in that Red Bull, you know, Drive Academy Red Bull pool at the moment. So, unless any other openings come up in other teams, it, it, it is looking quite hard for any of them. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, moving on to his performance this year. Um, I mean, just a disclaimer here, we've recorded this um, just after the steering GP. So if he suddenly comes first and gets pole in um, the second Austria, then that's extremely unfortunate for us. Um. <laughs> but um, I mean, we'd love to see that. We'd love to see it. And we'd love to talk about it on this episode. But yeah, <laughs> that's just the way we found out this time. But talking about his, his performance so far, he's done amazing in qualifying, hasn't he? Yeah, so... I mean, the lowest he's qualified is P12 and the highest he's qualified is P4. So he's got a good sort of good range there of uh, qualifying positions. Yeah, he's he's very comfortably qualifying in the points. And it's the last four races, he's been sixth, fourth, sixth, sixth starting. So that is a really, really good position to be in, especially... For an Alphatari. I think Alphatari do have a really good car this year. I feel like the car this year might be a little bit better than previous years. So obviously that will play a little bit of a part in it. But Yuki Tsunoda is not getting close to those um, starting positions. I know it's his rookie year, but um, it just shows how much, how talent times the, um, how good his car is. is It's really, really working for him. Oh yeah, definitely. And obviously this year he managed to get a podium in Monaco, which is incredibly difficult to do. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Monaco is one of those ones where your qualifying position basically decides where you finish. Um, and yeah, to, to get a podium at Monaco is obviously, I think it's one, of the, it's one of the ones you want to get as an F1 driver is you want to get a podium in Monaco. And I think that's definitely one of my favourite podiums so far, having um, 
Perez, Vettel and Gasly all on the same podium. That was lovely. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to see that one. Going back to Sonoda and obviously their relationship, again, we don't really get to see the relationship between the two of them until either there's some like juicy footage um, on Drive Survive or just general circulation online. But again, I feel like it's a bit of a situation where Sonoda isn't just, he's not performing very well. So therefore he, he's not a threat to Gazi's. Therefore there would be no problem. But do you think that could potentially change in the rest of the season? I mean, if Sonoda does like start getting close to Gasly's performance then I think that could be a problem but the minute from what I've seen it's a very it's very much a like Sonoda's his little brother kind of situation and I feel like that is a good balance for them but obviously like we say we don't really know what's going to happen for the rest of the season and if Sonoda does sort of pick up his ideas and get up to the performance level that Gasly's at then that could cause like a rift between them. Yeah, because yeah, like I said, Snow's had a little bit of an unfortunate season. He's definitely um, put it in the wall a few times. But the last race, Asturian, um, one that um we watched, he he did he did get through to Q three and he he did all right in um in the race. So he's he's clearly someone who has potential and that can only grow. I guess it just depends how long he is teammates with Gasly to see if that would ever become an issue between them. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like the longer that your teammates, you kind of get more, like develop more of a friendship and more of a relationship. And it will be a lot harder to sort of break that down, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, and if we also, if, if we go to look at where he is in championship as of the 30th of June, <laughs> he is, um, he's currently eighth. Which is yeah, that's that's all right. I, I suppose it's it's good for um an alpha an avatar, especially since he got a DNF last race. But he's also above Ricardo and Vettel, who are probably in cars that are may even arguably better than the Alphatari. That's that's quite a that's quite a big achievement, I think, so far. Yeah, I was just looking at the point difference between the three of them. So Vettel is on thirty points, Ricardo is on thirty four, and Gasly is on thirty seven. So between Gasly and Vettel, that's quite a big uh, point difference. Yeah, especially with um, Gasly's DNF last race, he would have if he scored on the points where he probably usually would have, he'd be quite a way ahead of them. And both Ricardo and Vettel, obviously Vettel's a four-time world champion, and Ricardo has won many, many podiums. That's that really does well. Either it says how good he is, or how much they're struggling, or a mix of both, isn't it? Yeah, I definitely think it is a mix of both. Um, obviously, like we say, Vettel and Ricardo's cars uh, seem to be a lot better than Gasly's car. But yeah, he's still, even with the DNF, is still ahead of them in the championship. And I think that does say something. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I, I do, I really do think Al, um, Gasly is probably one of the best things that happened to Alvatari because... Avatari historically they don't they don't tend to win podiums. They they get good points um as a as a strong midfield team, but they never really on track podiums. But with Gasly, he is he's got three podiums with them now. That I think Avatari have never been more successful than they have been at the moment. And 
if Gasly does choose to stay there, it could get better. I mean, obviously, I don't think that they'd ever be up there with Mercedes, Red Bull, that lot, but they do potentially have an opportunity to be up there as best of the rest if Gasly and if Sonoda becomes more consistent. I think that that could be a real possibility. Yeah, definitely. I feel like um, they could be one of the top teams in the midfield if both of them sort of have the performance levels that Gasly's been having in the past couple of races so yeah definitely so moving on to what we think our predictions are for him and the season beyond where do you think he'll place this season I know it's obviously a little bit way off but I um, I want to say he'll be higher than eighth in the championship however the, the points are just it's very hard to tell like so signs is seventh in the championship at the minute and he's got 50 points so there's quite a big difference between him and signs so i would like to see him place higher um but i really don't think he will and it breaks my heart to say that yeah i, I think i think it's just impressive that that is even questionable that an Towering might be up there with um uh, Ferraris and um, Aston Martins and things like that because obviously they, they do have a, a, a really solid car as a midfield team so I I definitely think it's impressive that he, even he got eighth but yeah I, I agree I, I hope he gets higher than that but yeah, unless something drastic happens I don't really see it shifting too drastically. Yeah definitely I mean if he was in a different car then maybe he would be able to get higher than an eighth but I think because he is in an Alpha Tauri then there's not really much of a chance obviously we don't want to sort of jinx it and he goes like straight down to the bottom of the (laughs) (laughs) no we have that effect on Daniel Ricciardo (laughs) yeah we'll we'll keep our mouth shut about about that um what's also an interesting question is how much longer do we think he'll stay out of Tauri and if he does change teams who do you think he'll join next don't know obviously he's very comfortable in the AlphaTauri but I feel like they will get to a point where he's just like I'm, I, I need to move I need something different and obviously he wants to go back to Red Bull but I don't think he will be going back to Red Bull if I'm being completely honest so I would like to see him in one of the top teams like well <laughs> I was gonna say Mercedes, but no, maybe not. Maybe like McLaren, like top of the midfield. Maybe that's where he needs to be. Yeah, I yeah, no, that is a good that is a good prediction, actually. I agree with you. I don't think he will ever go back to Red Bull. I think that I think he just needs to come to terms with that in that sense. Um again, like we said, Alphatari because because they are like a junior statistic team to um Red Bull, Red Bull will never let them win championships and stuff so if you want to win a championship if you want to be the best you can't be an Alphatari so he will need to switch fairly soon it just depends where and I think because he's not he's probably not going to go out to Red Bull he's then at danger of you know doing the like team switching a lot like um uh, other people who've been in Red Bulls like Ricardo and Sainz they've been in like three or four teams each now and you 
it's kind of better if you're just with a team for longer because you can get to know the team better you can it then kind of becomes your team and if you're always switching it's it's hard so then you got to get you got to get used to a new car you have a new teammate who might already be the number one it's quite hard to then do amazingly well so hopefully he'll switch to a team that is a bit higher maybe like mclaren if ricardo doesn't do very well then he you know over the next couple of years he might either retire or go to like a lower team if he doesn't get it together hopefully that won't happen but <laughs> you literally just made me so sad when you said about Daniel Bank retiring I was like no <laughs> not a world we want to envision but he's never allowed to retire <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah but um yeah if, if McLaren carry up carry on this upward trajectory then potentially you could go to McLaren but then he then has to deal with Norris because obviously it looks like Norris is going to be with McLaren for a while so then that would be interesting if they became teammates um but yeah I think that would be a very interesting dynamic wouldn't it Norris and Gasly Mm, but yeah I I feel like I don't think Ferrari's on the cards because obviously Sainz is there and then you've got Mick Schumacher in the works I think he's destined for Ferrari which kind of takes that Charles isn't going anywhere Mercedes is going to be well, Mercedes, probably George. But then if George replaces Bottas, Hamilton goes, because obviously he's, we recently discovered he's 36. We did not think he was that old. <laughs> that is, he's, like we're saying, he's a few years shy of Raikkonen. Um, so potentially in the next two, three years, there's going to be a vacant seat at um, Mercedes. I can imagine Max is going to stay with Red Bull, especially now Red Bull's car's gone a bit more competitive. So you know it's open <laughs> we're not gonna make any surefire promises but um can you imagine that lineup though gasly and russell in mercedes that'd be so interesting that would be really interesting actually it would be beautiful that's what it would be <laughs> that would make us that would make us very happy <laughs> yeah we would be two very happy ladies <laughs> <laughs> which also that kind of segues us to the final question obviously matches very well with the title of this podcast is he a future world champion? What do you think? I think in the right car, yeah, he is. <laughs> I really do. Um, I think he just needs to find the right car for him. Um, obviously, like we said before, being in an AlphaTauri, they're not really going to let Red Bull aren't really going to let him or anyone for that matter win a championship in an AlphaTauri. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think if he finds the right car for him then I definitely think he's got the potential of being a world championship, world championship, world champion. <laughs> yeah, I, I 100% agree that. And he, it just shows from since, since he started getting those, those podiums with Altari, def, you can definitely see that he has so much talent and he's got so much drive. And although it didn't work out Red Bull, that is no reason to write him off at all. And I, I really do think that he could be a world champion if, like you said, he finds right team but unfortunately a lot of team like deciding is kind of down to luck of what's open at the time you want to move and stuff so it it will come down to maybe some luck about what's open at the right time for him and hopefully just find a team that you can actually actually settle down with and not be bouncing around like a lot of other drivers have so you know fingers crossed for the future yes definitely so that wraps us up on our Pierre Gasly episode we hope you enjoyed it guys and we will see you next week with 
a brand new episode. Thank you for listening. Bye.